Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 201. Who cares? Uh, with me, as always, is Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I am James Bradley Kemsky of PhillyVoice.com. Uh, we watched Philadelphia Eagles training camp practice number eight on Thursday morning. Here to talk about that with you. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? Jimmy, or JBK, not unlike Shawn Michaels, maybe, as HBK, the heartbreak kid. I don't know what the J stands for in your case. Um, we'll figure that out. Maybe, maybe a listener has a suggestion, but Jimmy, always glad to be back here with you as we roll along with our daily BGN radio practice podcast recaps, practice recap podcast, however you want sure. to phrase that. Either way, and, and no matter how you phrase it, it's brought to you by right to sell on craft jerky, which you can go get yourself some by going to right com and using discount code. BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy, so much to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Rager finally showed up for the first time in, in practice today after pretty wow. much. Uh, so should we just get right into it? Like uh, this will be the first uh, observation that we go through? Yeah, let's do it. Um, I, I can start off yeah. by All saying right, that rip. like both of us have been saying, kind of waiting to see something out of him, like anything, do something. He kind of, to his credit... He did have a nice one-on-one session against Darius Slay on Saturday, I believe it was. Um, so we saw something there. Not, you know, not like a ton, but something. And, uh, today, Jimmy, on Thursday, August 5th, saw something in a big way where Jalen Rager was facing Darius Slay once again in one-on-one. And Nick Mullins lofted a fade pass to the back right corner of the end zone. And I didn't think there was a chance that that pass was going to be completed because the ball was high, but John Rager stuck his hand up somehow and uh, actually caught it to basically like Moss Darius Slay, uh, who had good coverage. It wasn't even like Slay got toasted or anything uh, on that rep. So I think that's easily the best catch of training camp so far. I think you could argue it's the best play anyone singularly has made in training camp thus far. So I thought that was nice to see from Jalen Rager. Yeah, I remember the combine he ran sort of a disappointing like four four seven, but the other stuff was was uh, right where it should have been. Like his vertical leap was over forty inches, and he did get up for that pass. And he like one handed it, backhanded it with his right hand, brought it mm. in, sort of cradled it, got it in, and big celebration from him, big celebration from the crowd uh, after that play. Uh, later during that session, he also cooked Slay uh, on a nasty route in the back of the end zone. Got himself wide open, balls coming in, nice and easy, drops it. <laughs> so oh, like man. he had a chance to make two spectacular plays today, but he didn't finish the second one. 
but I thought he had a, a, a good day overall. He had another play along the sideline against Steve Nelson in which um, it was a contested catch and he was able to wrestle the ball away from uh, Steve Nelson. That was uh, a problem area in his game in 2020 as a rookie. He like all, almost all of his, I think actually, actually all of them, not almost all of them, all of his contested catches, catch situations he lost or didn't like it was incomplete. So uh, good to see him win a contested catch situation there. Um, what else did he, he had another pl- nice play too, if I'm not mistaken, right? Am I, what am I missing? He had a short catch along the sideline against Nelson once again, where it was kind of contested a little bit, or uh, Nelson had a really good like rip attempt after it was caught, but Jalen Rager held on. So that was nice to see. That uh, was impressive. Uh, you know, it was kind of, it was more good than bad, I would say. And the fact that we're seeing any good, I think is a win for Jalen Rager yeah. right now, but there was some bad too. Of course, I'm going to highlight that. Okay. It's very on brand for me. Everyone's <laughs> going to say I'm a hater. Um, but it's true. It's what I saw. I saw Dylan Rager. I'm not sure if this happened because it's, it's, it was, we were not close enough to this rep for me to know for sure why this flag was thrown, but I saw a flag thrown on a play where I think Hertz might have placed it a little too far in front of Rager, but I couldn't tell. In any case, he didn't come up with the ball and Steve Nelson was there and there's a flag thrown and Steve Nelson seemed to indicate it was offensive pass interference on Rager. And of course he's going to say that because he's the defensive back, but I didn't really see Rager push yeah, back on that either. From Rager on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I think there was an OPI in Rager. Um, also I did see him, uh, on another play here. Uh, I can't find it. So maybe it didn't happen, but whatever, it's fine. Like, I think, uh, sure. we, I, I think what, you know, what we, what we needed to see from him was him do anything positive because like, again, he's just been kind of invisible, uh, over the first full week of practices and he had to catch a camp. Like it was the best play of camp. Uh, in my opinion, so far today, uh, he had the contested catch. He had the the great route against Slay, so he really showed some positive things. I thought he was up and down, but I thought the ups were more impressive than the downs yeah. were bad. So uh, I think this was a good way to put his, it. For his, his his first like real noteworthy day uh, was a good day for him, and uh, we'll see. And 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 it comes at a time um, when. Nick Sirianni spoke before practice and he was peppered with uh, Jalen Rager questions before the practice even started because as we noted on the podcast yesterday, he got reamed out both by, I think it was Kevin Petullo, the uh, passing game coordinator and uh, Nick Sirianni. Like I've, I haven't seen a head coach ream out a player like that since like the Andy days. So like it was, uh, it was, it was, it was something that, you know, obviously every, every reporter that was standing in within earshot, they, we all saw it. We all heard it. Um, so he was asked about it heavily and, uh, Hey, maybe, uh, maybe Jalen Rager responds to, you know, that kind of, uh, tough coaching. So anyway, good day after, uh, he got reamed out yesterday. The other two things that were bad real quick, was just like, he double caught the ball unnecessarily uh, in right. one, one. Yep. And caught then it, but I did, against the 11, yeah. against the 11 defenders that might've gotten jarred free. Right. And then uh, the second of his three battles with Slay, Slay had a really sticky coverage, I thought, which is, you know, part of the credit to Slay. It was just, you know, defended really well, but Rager couldn't separate at all and make any kind of play on that ball. So those were the, the other two down things I had. Also, I don't think you mentioned, Jimmy, that whereas Nick Sirianni reamed or chewed out Dylan Rager on Wednesday, he actually showed oh, him yeah, some love. On, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he ran up 
to him after that contested catch against Steve Nelson, I believe it was, and uh, had his arm around him as Dylan Rigger was kind of running back to not quite the huddle, but where all the players were standing off to the side after, you know, if they're not participating in the 11 on 11 uh, drill. And uh, so that was good to see, you know, I think kind of having both of those things like, Hey, you know, you do something right. And then he's going to praise you too. So uh, good to see both sides of that. And I, I think definitely like this is a, for, you know, if you're, feeling hopeful about Jalen Rager like this is something for him to build on like can he kind of come back and now the Eagles don't practice tomorrow and Friday but maybe he can come back this weekend Saturday and Sunday and turn in another couple of good days and all of a sudden like oh, okay he's uh building some positive momentum here that's the that's the hope yeah all right uh next observation for me uh would be Miles Sanders fumbled today mm. which uh they weren't even in pads so like they, they fumbled they were in like shirts and shorts and uh yeah, not good. Like we mentioned yesterday that uh, he had a, he had a drop and we, of course, prefaced all that with he's working hard every day. Like even like during special teams drills, like the starters would kind of just like mill around and not like, you know, it's like break time for, for a lot of the starters when they do that. Uh, but he uh, has taken the opportunity during those sessions to catch extra passes from running backs coach Jamal Singleton. Uh, as you noted, he got a lot of work on the jugs machine. I think both before and after practice on, on a lot of days. So it's not without effort that he's trying to get better. And in addition to catching the ball, uh, he's got to have better ball security. It was an issue at Penn State. Uh, he only had two fumbles as a rookie. Last year, he had four fumbles, as you've noted, uh, on what, like I think 192 uh, touches, which is, you know, one for every, I mean, less than 50 touches he's fumbling. So, um, yeah, not great to see that. He's working hard, but the results just aren't there yet. <laughs> so, like, I think it is an area of concern uh, for, for him. Long, long way to go again before the season begins, but I, I do think there are some, some concern areas for, for Miles Sanders. Yeah, and we touched on this, I think, yesterday in terms of the, the concern of the drops and the value of a pass catcher. But, like, I mean, you know, Miles Sanders, really good runner, no doubt, but when the ball security is an issue and the pass catching is an issue, like it's troubling to see that, especially again, because that was his chart. That was his background. That was the book on him coming out of college. And those issues were also present last season. So it's not like, you know, just one off kind of stuff. Like this has kind of been more of the rule than the exception. Unfortunately, the way it's trending to this point. So hopefully that reverses itself. But until then, uh, you know, we're going to keep an eye on that. Uh, I have a couple injury things, I guess is my next thing. Okay. Uh, Jacoby Stevens, who was your MVP on Wednesday, is now week to week, naturally, with a hamstring injury. Right, so and that was before we, they, we they announced him. that before practice. So obviously that happened at some mm. point, either after practice yesterday or during practice yesterday. I didn't see him like come off the field or get any kind of medical attention. So that was sort of a surprise no. addition to the uh, to the injury report. Yeah, he spoke to reporters. He had a, he had oh, a, he had right. a press conference yeah, after right. practice okay. yesterday. Yeah. Um, John Hightower also left practice early. He didn't, uh, like go inside the building and didn't, like, he stayed on the field at least to watch the rest of practice. So that, you know, seems like somewhat of a good sign, at least not worst case scenario. But, uh, he also left practice, which is, you know, it's not great if he's missing time because he's on the roster bubble yeah. and needs to be practicing here. So I just wanted to, to, uh, note those two things in addition to Davion Taylor seen wearing a boot at practice. So, uh, he has also been described as week to week with a calf issue. So, uh, not great there. Yeah. Uh, my next point will be also on the injury front. And um, 
in addition to getting peppered about uh, Jalen Rager in his press conference, Nick Sirianni got a lot of questions about two different things uh, that are sort of um, intertwined. Uh, first being that his practices have been really short. I mean, there, there have been some practices that are like like an hour and 10 minutes and that kind of like thing. I don't know if we've, if we've gone longer than two hours in any practice this year, right? I don't think so. Maybe two at the very, very most. Like with Doug, they were often more than like two and a half hours, sometimes like approaching three. Um, I mean, wild difference between last year and this year in terms of the length of practices. And then also uh, through the first, I mean, we, we had practice number eight today, but through the per- first seven practices, the, uh, you know, a uh, you know, a nice handful of older players got quote unquote maintenance days. So he was asked about, uh, you know, the, the short practices and, you know, the older guys getting uh, extra days off. And uh, his answer was basically that he got together with Howie Roseman and, um, you know, the medical staff and, and the training staff. And um, they want to keep practices short for preservation purposes. They don't, uh, it's, they, they want to avoid injuries, uh, and I get it. <laughs> like uh, you look at like the last four seasons and the way that this team has been absolutely ravaged uh, by, by injuries. And you know, the, the quote unquote football guys aren't going to like uh, these short practices and guys getting off and that kind of stuff. But uh, I think it does make sense um, to, you know, make sure that you have healthy players heading into week one. Whereas in the past, I mean, even from, I mean, last year you had guys that were like, missing in that first week one game against Washington, like Lane Johnson, uh, Miles Sanders, um, you know, but I could, I could pull it up and find a bunch of other guys too, but they had a lot of guys missing. And uh, this year so far, it appears as though everyone seems to be on track uh, for week one. We'll see. But um, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with, with that line of thinking to keep everyone healthy because if they're not out there, then they're not helping you at all. Um, and he did sort of say that, you know, they do get a lot accomplished in uh, the time that they are, that they're out there. And for the most part, I would agree. I don't think there's been, you know, a lot of like big lulls at any point during these practices, other than like him, like gathering the team up to, to yell at him one time. <laughs> but uh, I, I do think the practices have gone pretty quickly uh, in terms of like, uh, you know, getting things accomplished. But uh, I am on board with, with the idea of doing whatever is in their power to, to kind of keep guys healthy for the season. It's pretty much the number one thing that matters in the preseason and training camp. I remember Jason B. Shout out to Winning Green Nation's founder, OG. I remember he used to like write a post like every year or at least one year. He did like the most important thing in training camp. Like, and you, you, you know, you might have thought like, oh, it, it must be like this player playing well or whatever. And he's like, no, <laughs> yeah. it's injuries. It's just everyone <laughs> right. staying healthy. Right. Um, so I always think about that. Uh, my next thing is on quarterbacks. Oh, last thing I'll say on the practice front is, yeah, I agree. It's high energy practices. They seem to get a lot done, not a whole lot of standing around. And, uh, a lot of players work, uh, on the field after practice too, like a good amount. So, you know, like even when practice is over, guys are still getting work in for a little bit. Um, namely Jordan Mailata, I feel like regularly is one of the last players to leave the field. He's always like working on something. He's been working with Eric Wilson and even Joe Osman today. I saw them. Uh, but my next thing, Jimmy has to do with the quarterbacks. I didn't really think today was a great day for Jalen Hurts. Okay. Um, just look, just looking at my notes alone, like just things I wrote down. I wasn't even like my overall feeling coming out of practice. Like this is just based on rereading my notes and everything I had to say about him, like wasn't good. Like, uh, I saw him throw behind JJ, I think, right side over the middle. JJ made that catch anyway. Good catch by JJ. Um, but that was when the Eagles were started out their team, team drills and they were like, they had the offense pinned up against their own end zone. 
Um, I don't think Hertz did well in that series at all because he threw the JJ again, but they were, like, weren't on the same page mm-hmm. at all. And Steve Nelson just knocked that pass down. I also saw Hertz have a pass knocked down at the line of scrimmage, which I didn't see who got it because there was Milton a lot of bodies Williams. in the area. Okay. Shout out Milton Williams for getting a hand on that. Um, and then later in team drills, I saw Hertz wanted to throw deep to Travis Fulgham, but, uh, he saw the receiver was double covered. So he ended up just kind of like throwing it out of, out of bounds, uh, down the field. So I don't know. I didn't really see anything that really stood out in a great way from Hertz, but I will give some credit. Oh, to my favorite oh, I know where pl- you're going with this. And I was going to, this is going to be my next point because of keep, keep it rolling. Smoking Joe Flacco. Right. I think, I think he had two nice throws today that really stood out. On uh, first one today. came into play. Uh, well, he had some bad too, again, to be clear. Okay. Um, he had the first one that stood out to me was he was rolling right and he threw across his body to like find Greg Ward. And I've seen this, him do this multiple times now, whether it's kind of like stepping up in the pocket or rolling. He's made some nice throws when he's like actually on the move, yeah. which is kind of funny because I don't think you think about, you know, like Joe Flacco, mobile quarterback. You got to get him out of the pocket, but like he's made some nice throws out of the pocket. I will give him credit for that. Uh, also, uh, what was the other one I saw? Oh, he, he also hit JJ over the middle who got separation, by the way. Like JJ separated over the middle, uh, I guess after lining up in the slot for about like a 20 yard gain. So those were the two good plays from Flacco. He had two bad ones where I think he badly threw behind carry on Johnson on a slant. And he also sailed a pass uh, over Jalen Rager's head. That was like definitely out of bounds and not catchable. So not all great for Joe Flacco, but there were two nice throws in there. There are also uh, a number of throws that he made when they were on that middle field. And like there was the wall of players that you can't see through, but you can see you can see them playing if you go up on the we up on the steps for those. Yeah. Okay. Well, he had a couple sideline throws uh, during those sessions that uh, I thought he made look pretty easy. Like they kind of look like mm. routine throws, but they're not. Like it was like you know, sort of like legit like fifteen yard throws, but from the opposite hash to the sideline. And uh, I think that's a throw that he can make because he's got good arm strength. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. and like I don't think Jalen Hurts has bad arm strength. But I think that when he is sort of forced to, you know, put a little extra on the ball, whether that be, you know, through a tight window in the middle of the field or on that type of sideline throw, I think he does lose something in the way of accuracy. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think there were two throws that, that Flacco made today that, uh, he does. I mean, I'm not certainly. Jalen Hurts is the number one quarterback, and there's no threat of anyone else taking that away from him as long as there are no major roster changes, uh, mm. which we'll get to after the break. Uh, but uh, yeah, certainly there are, there are some things that that Joe Flacco can do just in terms of throwing the football that that Jalen Hurts struggles with. I think the arm strength point is salient, Jimmy. I think you know, safe to say, Joe Flacco is like the best arm strength on the team. Like if, if you're just talking about quarterback, like needing to like really zip a ball in there, like Flacco can probably do that better uh than anyone he had he, like he was uh, one of the he had like one of the strongest arms in the league at one point in his career okay. i don't think he has that anymore but right like he's he doesn't he's not like he's not like that kind of, he's not like a you know like a cutler or stafford or anything like that but he used to be like like you, you look at like the, the play that they i don't remember, remember this player or not but like he like chucked a ball way way down the field i think it was against denver uh in the afc championship game to i want to say it was like jacoby jones that ball went like it was. it was like seventy yards in the air, something like that. I have to go back and watch that YouTube clip now and see how wide, how far off I am on that. But uh, but uh, you know he could make those kinds of throws. I don't think he's doing that now, but uh, he he was always thought of as a guy that had like major arm strength. 
safety um, really mistimed his yes, jump on that I throw. Remember I remember that. too. Just like terribly, and that's why it was a touchdown instead of even though just like a long play. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. So I and Flacco had a throw. I think it was a couple days ago. Um, where he kind of just, I called it like a YOLO ball. Like he just saw Travis, it was like seven <laughs> on seven and he just saw Travis or no, he actually saw Jamon Osmond, like opposite hash on the other side of the field. Okay. And again, it was just kind of a cross body thing. Like he didn't want to go that way, but he just saw him wide open. So he's like, he was just like, screw it. I'm just going to like fling this thing. And he did. Um, it was kind of funny to see him just kind of, I like, like YOLO that. ball. That's good. Yeah. It just, it was like, well, it's like the old, uh, uh, Rex Grossman meme. Like, well, <laughs> like I'm, I'm throwing deep or whatever. That's right. F it. I'm throwing deep. <laughs> right. Um, all right, Jimmy, let's take a break here. But before we go to break, BGN radio brought to you by right to selling craft jerky. Get some by going to right to selling.com using discount code BGN 15 for 15% off and wildnaturepet.com has the same discount code available to you. BGN 15 for 15% off dog treats. Jimmy. Tell me about Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors real quick. If you, I need to call her right now. What's her number? If you are looking to call her to buy or sell your house, 856-906, excuse me, 9295. That's 856-906-9295. Brandon? Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio episode 201, Who Cares? I think I'm going to call Kristen Roach during the podcast. Okay. One time, Jimmy, and like. see what happens. Oh, by the uh, way, uh, be- we should mention uh, your mom listened to the last podcast. Yes. And uh, I had said that I had a Kristen Roach story, and then you wouldn't let me tell it because it was going to be longer than 30 seconds. And then at the end of the podcast, you didn't give me my chance to have a final thought, which is when I was going to mm. uh, tell this Kristen Roach. It's not even that great a story, but now we kind of have to do it, I guess, at the end of the podcast. But uh, yeah, uh, okay. so Brandon's mom, I apologize both on behalf of myself and for Brandon's <laughs> rudeness during the last podcast, but I will tell that story at the end of the, at the, end of this episode. I appreciate the apology on behalf of her, <laughs> uh, Jimmy. And I'm sorry, Mom, too, for uh, interrupting Jimmy there. Because uh, she really wanted to hear it. She texted me about it. Anyway, uh, Jimmy, you kind of alluded to this earlier. And I wanted to get your thoughts on this because I didn't actually talk to you about it. And you didn't write about it at all. But late on Wednesday night, a report came out from Chris Trapasso of CBS Sports, who I really know as, like, big mock draft guy. Yeah, I, thought of, I always think of him be, as, like, a draft, uh, sort of a draft guy. Yeah, that time of year. He also used to be with uh, SB Nation's Buffalo Bills blog, Buffalo Rumblings, back in the day. So, you know, 
uh, kind of comes from a, a blogger background. So, you know, he puts out this report basically that says, citing a source that says like talks are heating up between the Eagles and Texans uh, are centered around Deshaun Watson and said, you know, like obviously no deal is done yet, but both sides are kind of working together to make it work. Um, now, not too long after that, I could say half an hour or so, uh, Aaron Wilson, who used to cover the Texans for the Houston Chronicle, came out and said, no Deshaun Watson trade is imminent. And then early on Thursday morning, Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, who has previously kind of been on, uh, like the Eagles being a favorite for Deshaun Watson, mm-hmm. also downplayed that report. So he did it kind of like and- a dick way where he was like, he, <laughs> he used the same phrasing as the uh, initial report. Like he said, talks are not, not heating not up. Heating up. <laughs> So uh, what do you make of that, Jimmy? What do you make of all of that? Uh, I mean, as you have detailed over you know, the course of this offseason, there have just been report after report. I don't think there's any question at this point that the Eagles have uh, strong interest in Deshaun Watson. Uh, I don't think anything here's – what, here's what I think is going on. I think that they mm-hmm. probably have uh, an offer on the table for Deshaun Watson, and it's probably a weak – offer that Houston does not want to accept because, you know, it's a, it's a franchise cool. I mean, it's, he's a top five quarterback in the NFL. Um, and, you know, they want to get something for him. And I think the Eagles are probably lowballing it. And um, they're probably not wanting to trade him. But at the same time, they have like a situation that's kind of coming to a head because he's not even attending practice anymore. Like he's, mm-hmm. he was attending practice initially and just like not taking team reps or anything like that, but he's not doing that anymore. He's just not attending practice at all, uh, at any point during their practices. So they have to trade him at some point, And I assume that would have to be kind of soon. So I think they're kind of dragging their feet, hoping that there's going to be some sort of, uh, resolution to the legal side of it. Um, now how the league will suspend or, um, you know, sort of punish Watson for whatever their findings may be later on down the line remains to be seen. But I think at a minimum, they're waiting to see how uh, his situation plays out through the court system. And if uh, things go favorably for Watson uh, in that regard, then they hope that the price for, uh, for him will, will go up. And, and then this all ignores, by the way, like just, the fact that so many fans rightfully uh, do not mm-hmm. want him playing for this team. Um, and I can't fault them at all for that. I mean, the reports of, of, you know, sort of uh, the allegations, the made, allegations. Made, made against him are very troubling. And, um, you know, I, I can't fault anyone for, for not wanting him to, to not wanting the Eagles trade for him and not, they don't want him anywhere near uh, this franchise. They don't want to root for, uh, a player that has those kinds of, uh, you know, allegations against him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a situation that I really have tried to avoid because I just don't want to, I just don't want to write about him because he, it's like, uh, it's, it's skeevy and like, I just, you know, it's just not, uh, it's just not a player that, uh, you know, you just look again, you just look at those allegations that are pretty terrible. So, uh, I like want nothing to do personally with with him coming to this team because of that, but also you know I don't want to write about him. But uh, as far as like football 
like as far as just the football conversation aspect of it, like the Eagles sort of do have a rare opportunity to trade for a top five caliber type of quarterback at a severely discounted rate. And I can understand their um, desire to want to to do that because again, those situations just don't come around often. So it's just a very, um, you know, layered uh, discussion that, uh, I actually plan on writing something really in depth on the whole situation, probably for Monday. And I don't really have all my thoughts together on that. If you couldn't tell, but, <laughs> but, uh, mm. it's a, it's a situation that, uh, is, you know, just kind of annoying and has been going on for, you know, more than half a year at this point. Um, what, what, what is your take on the whole thing? So something I keep hearing is like, how could they possibly trade for him when there are all these balls up in the air? And, I get that. I hear that. I understand why people are saying that. But at the same time, like what we know, what the public knows, is not the same thing as what teams know, or at least they think they know. Like you know what I mean. Like teams are doing homework on this, and they probably have, and I don't know how exactly, and maybe I'm wrong about this. But I feel like the Eagles, if if they have any kind of comfort level of trading for him, they clearly have some kind of expectation or projection or understanding of what like could happen it's not like they're trading for him blind and like they have no idea what the outcome is going to be if they're going to trade for him they're going to do it where they have some idea of what the punishment or whatever is going to be that's how i think about it so that's that's first part of it uh number two um yeah i i saw so i you know i wrote about this for bleedingcreenation.com and obviously i saw all the negative feedback and again i get it too i'm not gonna begrudge anyone for feeling that way i just think Number three, my third thing is that there's a lot of dot connecting to be done here. Number one, I don't think Jalen Hurts has looked any kind of level in training camp that makes you think like he's the long-term answer. I don't think the Eagles, you know, were coming into camp really thinking they were going to be super convinced of that anyway. Um, but again, he hasn't looked night and day different. You look at the fact that, uh, the Sean Watson has been missing from practice all of a sudden. You look at the fact that there was that meeting after practice, which you highlighted, Jimmy, between, Rosebin and Lurie and Sirianni and Wydell. You look at the fact that the Eagles recently cleared up over $14 million in cap space, bringing them up to like 16.1 million in cap space right now, which is enough to fit Deshaun Watson's $10.5 million salary this year. And then a little bit extra. Like, you know, there's some dot connecting to be done there. And then this latest rumor, which I think people have questions again about the source. And clearly nothing has been imminent to this point as we record at 427 on Thursday afternoon. But uh I don't know. There was a time, too. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Eagles Nut on Twitter, uh, Greg, who had mentioned that, like, once upon a time we heard a Carson Wentz trade was close. And then he didn't get traded for, like, a couple more weeks. But it did happen. Um So... Uh, yeah, I just, I don't think this is nothing. I think it would be kind of naive to look at the pro football talk and the Aaron Wilson reports and be like, oh, well, this is nothing. We can just write it off. I mean, I think it's still very much alive and in play. It's just no one knows. No one has known at any point the timeline for this thing, like when a deal is actually going to get done. But I, I just think my thing throughout this has been like, I think it could happen sooner than we expect, even before there's resolution. Because I think, once again, I'll repeat myself, there, even though if there's not resolution that's out there to the public, I think teams might have a handle on how it might go before that. Yeah. I mean, they have people working for them that, I mean, that's what they do. Like, that's what they're sort of like, that's what their career was in and, and, uh, you know, investigation and that kind of thing. And a lot of these guys have like police backgrounds. And like, I know that like, you know, Dom DeSandro, who was the Eagles, um, 
uh, head of uh, security. Like he has like connections all over the country with like, uh, you know, pl- uh, police departments and, and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, he can get information. So, um, you know, I'm, teams around the league employ guys like him, like everywhere. So, uh, you know, they, they are, these are, you know, billion dollar businesses that, uh, sort of try to, that, that try to protect their interests and, and those kind of guys help them do that. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're certainly going to be, uh, they're, they're going to have more information than, than people like you, me, and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the listeners. So, yeah, uh, again, very, very layered discussion and, uh, sort of mm-hmm. an uncomfortable one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, I think we're going to see, I think we'll probably have some, some, some sort of clarity on whether something's going to happen or not, maybe over the next week or two. Uh, any final things from practice itself? Um, let's see. Cause I had a couple quick notes while you, uh, I, I vamp for you and you look, um, some fun after yeah, practice where Darius, Darius Slay was uh, yelling at Anthony Harris during his press conference. And I was trying to get his attention and then finally came up to the press conference to actually get his attention. I posted the video of that. Um, so between that and also what's kind of become a funny bit of Boston Scott, all what five foot seven, six or six, five foot eight, yeah. whatever, whatever of him. Uh, although obviously he is, he is thick, you know, thick dude. Um, he's short, but he's, he's not like thin, like a Donald Pumphrey. Uh, what does Boston Scott weigh? I have the roster right in front of me. I forget. Um, like 195, but, something like that. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, point, point being Boston Scott pretending to be a bodyguard during, uh, Greg Ward's press conference. That's, that's funny. But also Jordan Milata picked him up and like a, uh, removed like, him from like that. a toddler. Like, you know, 195 yeah. isn't that light. <laughs> like the way he picked him up off, like, cause, uh, Boston Scott was standing on, uh, like the podium, uh, or whatever you'd call it. Not, the, the platform. Platform. Yeah. He picked him up, like, you know, under his armpits, like the same way you'd pick up a kid. Like, I don't know, like my, my nine year old daughter probably weighs like 60 pounds, something like that. I, I don't, I don't think I can pick her up with the ease that Jordan Mylotta just scooped him up and moved him off of the platform. Like it was, it was zero effort for him to do that. And he was already up high. So like when it's already up high and you're going and you're lifting him higher, like if, like if I lift my daughter up for when she's just standing like flat on the ground, that's easier than it is if like she's standing up high somewhere. And the way that he just picked up Boston Scott, like it was absolutely nothing just shows how, you know, how these guys are so much different than us normies. Uh, Boston Scott listed at five, six, two Oh three. Oh, okay. He's so, up over two. Then. Those videos are on bleedinggreennation.com in my practice notes. If you want to see that, um, Jimmy, why don't we get to our MVP, LVP play of the day? Okay. Which should be short because I think MVP for me is Jalen Rager. I don't think he was flawless in this practice, but again, I think, I think you put it nicely when you said the highs were higher than the lows were lower. And I think just because we've seen nothing out of him, any kind of good, the bar is low, admittedly, right now. Any kind of good, he cleared that and I'll give him the MVP for today. Uh, yeah, he's the MVP for me too. And also, um, we're, we're unanimous, I'm sure, excuse me, in that catch in the back of the end zone being not only the play of the day, but the play of camp, uh, so far. Um, what do you think would be the second best play of camp? (sighs) That's a really good question. Rager yesterday uh, on the sideline. I'm sorry, not Rager. Hightower. Uh, Hightower. 
Um, yeah, I'm looking back at, I mean, I think you could say the Hurts to Devontae bomb was, uh, not like this incredible play that, uh, but it was, it was really exciting. Like Hurts throwing deep to Devontae. Mm-hmm. Um, and he burned Steven Nelson. It was like legit. It was yeah. legit, really good play. Um, so I think maybe that one for me would be, uh, yeah, that would be the next closest contender for me. Other than maybe Josh Sweat flattening Andre Dillard into the ground, but, uh, or <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was right. Um, uh, LVP for you. Yeah. That's tough. Cause I don't really think anyone had, you know, I don't like, know. Like an, I've, uh, yeah. Okay. I don't, yeah. I don't know. That Miles anyone, Sanders. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. I'll, I'll piggyback off yeah. you. I'll steal that. Yeah. I mean, again, like you, there weren't even pads <laughs> and yeah, he fumbled. Yeah, yeah. And also this is kind of like an accumulation thing too, like because of the drops, like I'm going to have, I, he didn't have any drops today that I saw, but because he's had those and he had a fumble today, like I'm just going to have to ding him. Right. And like you said, no one else like obviously stood out as really, really bad. So it kind of just goes to him a little bit by default. Um, got to see more miles, you know, just gotta, gotta see more. Uh, any final thought? Well, Jimmy, why don't you tell your yeah, story? So, uh, again, this, is, this has been hyped up too much now at this point, but I made ribs yesterday and, uh, I don't know how, nice. I don't know how we got on this yesterday, but like any, I don't know how I thought in my head, like about to tell this Christian Roach story. I don't know. Cause we were going to do the bit and you just like, we we're going to do the, uh, give out her number and then you, you know what it was? Something. I had, I was cooking ribs on the Weber Smoky Mountain, which is like low and slow. Like it cooks over like five hours and I had my phone, which like, I have like a thermometer that if it goes under like 220 or over 270, I'll get an alert on my phone. So I was, I was, I was monitoring the temperature of the grill during the entire show yesterday and I have ribs on the brain. So anyway, anytime I hear the word ribs, I think of Will Farrell in Anchorman where at the beginning, like montage where he, he's picking his teeth and he's, he goes ribs. I had ribs for lunch. That's why I'm doing this. <laughs> so I took that. I've seen that movie like a million times and. I just sing a, a version of that line, so <laughs> just to annoy, purposely annoy uh, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtor. So it goes like this: I'll go ribs. I had ribs for lunch. That's why I'm doing this, <laughs> <laughs> and I'll repeat that like thirty times. So <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors was uh, showing somebody a house one time. And, uh, somehow, I don't know if the anchor, anchor man came up or ribs came up. One of the two came up and she started singing that rib song. And they're like, what's that? And they're like, she's, <laughs> she's like, it's from anchor man. And they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> she thought the song was from anchor man as opposed to just him <laughs> saying ribs. I had ribs for lunch. So she sang oh, this yeah. song while showing a house to somebody. And they're like, that's not from anchor man. What are you talking about? She felt That's so she good. felt very dumb, and I got yelled at when she got home. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love I love the uh, the uh, I don't even know what you would call that like like unintentional gaslighting or whatever like some Mandela effect or whatever whatever you want to call that. I love that. Um, that's a good final note for you, Jimmy, to end on. Final note for me was there was some hootie at practice today. Oh hootie yeah, no Tori Smith was there too. By the way, I did. Yeah, Tori was there. Shout out to Tori. Um, he tweeted some of his observations of his own after practice oh, today, okay. as you can find on his Twitter page. Like, you know, kind of like Daniel Jeremiah style, like on Wednesday, just kind of yeah. ran through some quick points. So, oh, you know, fun to get his perspective too. But yeah, Hootie and the Wellfish was playing. 
really interesting choice for warm-ups. It made me go back and listen to Hootie and the Fish's first album, Cracked Rear View, uh, which I actually used to listen to, Jimmy, on my Walkman that I had, an actual CD. So, man, am I old. Um, I used to listen to Hootie and the Blowfish because my parents liked them when I was like a kid in the 90s, I remember. I remember there's certain songs to me that like some like some Dave Matthews band songs, maybe like Breakfast at Tiffany's, whatever. Some of these 90s kind of music songs that make me think of being a little kid again and being in the hallways of Prophet 21 in Yardley, Pennsylvania, where my parents worked. And uh, it kind of brings me back for a little bit. I think it's kind of cool. I don't know. This is really a uh, like a nothing to do with football, but it's like the power of music. I think is sometimes cool to me. Like you just like you hear a song and it transports you to like this different time in your life. I think that's really cool. I like music, so that's my final thought. It has nothing to do with the Eagles, but I other than I appreciate them having Hootie. I think that was kind of a fun. Oh, the other Hootie thing that's related to the Eagles, and I put this in my notes, is that um, Hootie was playing the official pregame show. When the Eagles were in the Super Bowl, I remember sitting at my seat in U.S. Bank Stadium and like feeling like okay. super. Yeah, I was feeling like super anxious. I'm like, the Eagles are you know about to play in the Super Bowl. Like I was like freaking out internally. And meanwhile, I'm just like looking ahead. I'm staring at like Darius Rucker, and I'm like, this is such a weird contrast right now because you know he's playing like these chill songs, and I'm like freaking out inside. Uh, so I'll, I'll always remember that. I'll always remember who sang who the national is. anthem. Uh, was it Pink? Correct. Who set? Who was the halftime show? Uh, shout out Doylestown, by the way, Pink from Doylestown. Um, uh, it was it was Justin Timberlake. Correct. Yep. Boom, got him. All right, <laughs> uh, Jimmy. No practice tomorrow, Friday, August sixth. The Eagles are doing some like tour of Lincoln Financial Field. I plan to attend that and cover that. I don't, we're not going to have a podcast about that, in part because it's Rachel's birthday on Friday, August sixth. So happy birthday to our I'm also wonderful that producer. Too. Sorry, continue okay, on with Jimmy's that. skipping I, that. No, no, no. Yeah, but I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the birthday wishes. Yeah, and you interrupted That's Rachel's terrible. birthday wishes. Sorry, Rachel. I know. Please apologize and wish her a happy birthday. happy birthday. Everyone, everyone, go wish Rachelle a happy birthday on Twitter and everywhere else. Um, it's, it's, so she's taking the day off. She deserves the day off for all the hard work she does here and the BS that she puts up with, with our daily podcast. So thank you, Rachelle. We appreciate you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to BGN Radio Episode 201. We'll be back with you for our daily recap practice pod i always get that out of order on saturday even or saturday at some point they practice again on saturday at 10 a.m um so we'll be back then follow me on twitter at brandon gowden jimmy kemsky on twitter at jimmy kemsky bleeding green nation on twitter at bleeding green bgn radio on twitter at bgn underscore radio subscribe rate review to the bleeding green nation podcast all that good stuff check out the sb nation nfl show righteous phone craft jerky righteous discount code bgn15 check out kristen roach of roach Realtors. all the plugs there together Jimmy. That was well done. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye. B-G-N.